0: This is Camp Hacker. Come find our show notes and our blog for camp directors and leaders at camphacker.tv.
1: Good day, and welcome to our podcast. This is Camp Hacker, episode 50, recorded on the 6th of March, 2013. Today's topic, planning great summer camp programs. If you would like easy, automatic, and free updates of our podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes, the BlackBerry Podcast Directory, or the Stitcher app. Search for Camp Hacker. We hope you enjoyed the Camp Hacker Show. Welcome to Camp Hacker. My name is Travis Allison. Uh, I write a blog about running a great summer camp at camphacker.tv.
2: Is, my name is Joe Richards, and I'm the executive director at Pierce Williams Christian Center, which is a summer camp and retreat facility in Fingal, Ontario, which is, and we're located about halfway between Detroit and Toronto. And Laura?
3: Oh, my name is Laura Kriegel, and um, for the past seven months, I've been traveling across the United States and um, some Canada visiting summer camps. Um, and yesterday, we visited our 61st camp.
1: Amazing. And we're going to talk a bit more with Laura about her experience. Um, she's actually been on Camp Hacker before. Um, so, who's next? Angie.
4: My name is Angie Atkinson, and I am from Camp Lantern Creek in East Texas. And I'm the program director there. And we are an overnight camp, um, leadership camp, and creative camp for girls.
1: Excellent. Thanks, Angie. I've got some cool questions for you, too, since this show is, in fact, your idea. We'll come back. to Ruby.
0: My name is Ruby Compton. I'm the Summer Camp Program Director at Green River Preserve in Cedar Mountain, North Carolina.
1: Awesome. So, welcome to the three of you. Um, I said laura had been on before. I did a special interview with Laura and Jack, um, but it's uh, so her first time on on the big show, the main show. <laughs> um, but uh, I'm so excited that the three of you can meet us here on the show. Uh, Dan, where will be joining us likely in 15 minutes or so. So I think you'll come in for the the meat of the program discussion that we're going to have. Um, <laughs> It, Ruby, why don't uh, why don't I start with you? Tell us a bit about um, about your job and, and how long you've been involved in camp.
0: Sure, absolutely. Uh, Well, currently I'm at Green River Preserve. We are a summer camp that is focused on connecting children with nature. Uh, We're small camp, serve about 104 campers per session, but we are on a 3,400-acre private wildlife preserve. So unlike your normal camp structure where you have six activities every day that you rotate through, we spend our entire morning from breakfast to lunch exploring the preserve. So we're visiting trails, going to waterfalls, beautiful views, um, it's it's really a pretty unbelievable space to be in and last summer I was a mentor so we hire professional naturalists to come and lead the campers on those hikes um, who are really the our job description is to help them love nature take them for a walk in the woods and help the kids love nature so it's it's pretty much this amazing blend of outdoor education and camp you get the best of both worlds um, I started in camp went to camp as a, as a child. Uh, I was part of a uh, summer uh, YMCA camp in Nashville, Tennessee for seven summers, you know, counselor program staff, head counselor, assistant camp director, essentially, Um, so I was there for for quite some time. That's really the bulk of my camp background, but then uh, progressed to an environmental education center called Nature's Classroom down in Mentone, Alabama where I was a teacher. Uh, so we had schools that came to us as a field trip, we took the kids on hikes, we did classes, um, so that's really where I got a lot of my naturalist training and then uh, just recently took the position in January as the program director here at Green River Preserve.
1: Amazing, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> that's great, so you're working year-round year then at Green River now.
0: I am, I've entered the year-round world and I can tell you Western North Carolina is the best place to be for that, So because there's a lot of great people and a lot of great programs.
1: That's amazing. Right on. All right. And Laura, so you're on a trip across North America visiting camps. Mm-hmm. What's it been like?
3: Um, it's been awesome. We we've been able to see um so much more um than anything we knew was out there in terms of camping. And um Jack and I have uh like quadrupled our knowledge on camps. Um and I think the most exciting part for us was learning about different programs and and how programs were implemented at camp. So it's been
1: fun. Awesome. That's great. Well, I'm glad to have you on the big show, Laura. It's it's really fun.
3: Awesome.
1: And Jack's been on the show on the big show before too, so it's definitely your turn. <laughs> <laughs> and Angie, how long have you been in camp?
4: Um, I've been in camp now for about eight years. I um, I went to camp a couple times as a kid as a Girl Scout and then um, I started working as a counselor. Um, I did day camp and I did residential camp and then um, as I got towards the end of college I decided I kind of wanted to pursue camping and so I've spent some time um, doing some other administrative roles at a couple of camps. I worked in outdoor education for a while. I really enjoyed that. I worked at um, High Trails in California and then I spent some time um, in the after school world and I um, helped create um, an after school program for uh, STEM enrichment for girls in Austin and then um, Now I'm going into my second summer as the program director here at Lantern Creek, and it's our second summer as a camp, so we're excited.
1: Awesome. That's great. Um, So a program for STEM enrichment, STEM being science, technology, engineering, and math? Yes. Awesome. It's my uh, it's my secret wish that one day I go back into start a new camp and it's going to be a, a camp focused on STEM stuff and uh, um, and making stuff with your hands for kids. So I'm always excited to hear about camp programs like that.
4: Awesome.
1: Right on. Well, welcome to the show, Angie. Um, Thank you. So we're really glad to have you. It, this this show, in fact, um, comes out of we do a program show every year, um, but uh, this show was really spurred by Angie's suggestion. Um she just sent me an email commenting on a, a show we did in the fall and asking some questions about what others do to prepare great programs and um, and, and what they do to get their staff ready and and you have a really cool way of doing that at your camp which actually I'm going to come back to that why don't you first of all tell us um, the sort of activity areas is okay, so i I I refer to program in two. I refer to two things when I talk about program. I talk about the activity areas, um, and I use them. I use the the same word for both, so it's probably a bad idea. But activity areas that kids can go to as a cabin or as an individual. Um, but I also use that same word for stuff like evening programs or a theme that um, can be attached to um, a, a session that that follows kids throughout, and it's it you know is what they do on top of the regular programs so in this case we're going to talk about the activity areas to start with if we get to the theme stuff or bigger evening program things that'd be amazing um, but it'll sort of depend on what sort of time people have available so that's that's the introduction now back <coughs> to you with uh, what with what programs you you offer what activity activities you offer at um, Camp Lantern Creek
4: awesome yeah so um, at Lantern Creek we're a creative leadership camp and so what we've done is kind of blended traditional camp with visual and performing arts um, and we've done that in order to hone and um, really develop girls creative and critical thinking skills and so we have um, kind of a breadth of activities we have an organic garden we have um, drama and fine art we have fiber art so the kids get to learn how to knit Um, We also do some stage crew, we do singing, um, and then we also have outdoor activities. So we have archery and gaga. Uh, We have uh, just like hiking and um, all those different types of things. And um, the campers get to choose two activities that they do every single day for the whole week. Um, So those activities are building on skills throughout the week and then they have an activity that is different every single day so they can try something new. They might go to canoeing and then the next day they go to archery.
3: Excellent.
1: (laughs) Excellent. Um, So the reason that we started this particular discussion was that um, is that you said you had developed a system to hand to your summer staff to let them sort of understand your expectations for each area.
4: Yeah, yeah. so I started off last summer um, creating some activity guides, and that was coming from my perspective of wanting to give them the skills to teach a class, but not requiring them to write a lesson plan, um, but also not necessarily just like sending them out to do something without any sort of guide or expectation. And so I came up with activity guides, and some of it worked and some of it didn't work. Um, That's why I emailed Travis asking about what other people do. And so um, my activity guides are essentially um, provide an objective or a goal and then it breaks it down per day. So if they have an hour and a half I break the hour and a half down into, you know, 10 minutes for an introduction, 15 minutes for a game, kind of the different things that they should be doing throughout their hour and a half. Um, And then during staff training provides staff with time to look over their guide and personalize it. They get to choose the games, Um, they get to come up with new ideas and develop it into their own teaching style. And so um, some of that worked really well for us, some staff really liked it, and then I kind of ran into some staff that didn't really click with them. Um, They kind of threw it out the window and didn't really want to use their activity guide, which is totally fine. Um, So I was trying to find a balance of what their teaching style is like, and what we need and what we want that campers are represented with.
1: Right. right. Have So, you think it probably the success of the activity guide as a structure depended, um, did it depend more on the person or on what the type of activity was?
4: I think it was a little bit of both. and um, definitely. Got some feedback that you know, providing them with the time and staff training to look over it um, helped them a lot. Um, And then from like other other staff members that I've had other experiences, some camps require you to make up your own activities, like make up your own um, lesson plans. And they liked that they didn't have to completely make it up themselves. Um, But then some of them kind of needed more structure. Some of them needed less structure, and it was kind of trying to find that balance of um, what to do. And I haven't quite come up with what I'm going to do this summer for them.
1: Okay. All right. So will those activity guides be handed down from one summer to the next?
4: I'm, I'm definitely hoping so. And then as we come up with new classes or um, we change things up, getting the staff feedback so that they can help us create those activities um, and improve them. because. You know, those the the staff are who make the activity what it is. Um, I can provide, you know, as much as I can, but they're the ones that are teaching it, and the campers are going to remember the moments that really aren't even in the activity guide. And so those are the kind of things we want to remember.
1: Excellent. Excellent. And, you know, I imagine um, over the years as Lantern Creek, you know, exists for longer periods, the the holes or the spaces in the activity guides from year to year will even out as you have different people in those roles and they take it more seriously or it works better for their organizational style.
4: Yeah, that's, that's definitely the hope. I, I agree. I hope that happens too.
1: Awesome. i'm going to uh... to come to each of the panelists and ask them about your questions about the programs that they've seen run and how those activity areas have been organized but i wonder if anybody else has any questions for angie before we turn our focus in a different direction
0: i absolutely do because we're actually looking at doing a very similar concept this year and so what we've done is for administrative staff we set aside a week called activity week. We're going to divvy up the twenty or so activity electives that the campers can sign up for between our year-round staff and have them create curriculums, essentially create those lesson plans with the goal that each activity will have two days, because the way our program is structured, each activity is run for two days and then the kids switch. Um, so that they will have two days of lesson plans and two days of rainy day plans because we run into the it's raining so we can't do canoeing so we're not going to do anything related to canoeing which is <laughs> not good we don't want that to happen right so yeah. we want to provide the tools to the counselors that they can keep running that program um, so I'm, I'm, it's been really great to hear how that those things have played out a couple of thoughts that i had for you Angie um, is when you're encountering some of those staff who don't want to use the lesson plan. One thought that I would have is potentially watching them just run the class, be an observer, and see what they do, and then creating a lesson plan from that. Um, if especially if they're running an effective program that seems to be working well. Um, so that's that's something that I think I would try, uh, especially if I knew I had a good solid teacher who you know is really solid in their ways and don't like the curriculum that I'm handing them go watch their class, see what they do, and build a curriculum from that. Um, great idea, I think. And the other thing, I think, just to to add on to that is, in some of the other programs that I've been in when I've been working with staff, is just asking them and, and, you know, challenging them, how do you make this program area the place where everybody wants to be? How do you make it just absolutely awesome? And we had something at my YMCA camp called our Commitment to Excellence that we had as the entire staff that we are going to be engaged and we're going to know the answers you know these were things that we came up with and agreed to and talked about during staff training so even putting forth to those activity coordinators or those leaders you guys for climbing tower come up with your commitment to excellence you know there's never going to be campers that are sitting they're always going to be learning to tie knots or um, backup belaying or, or watching how you belay so they can kind of learn some of those skills. So those are a couple ideas I have and I would, be, I would love to talk to you further about how you've done your program because it, it sounds very similar to what we want to do. Yeah, those are great. Thank you. I like both of those suggestions.
1: Angie, do you have a, a template, sort of a, you know, just an outline of what your activity guide is? Without yeah, um,
4: I, I do. Um, <laughs> I, Unfortunately, somehow managed to lose all of them on our Dropbox last right. summer. So I'm in the process of recreating them. But um, basically, I provide you know a title of the activity and then a general objective and then a section that is a list of preparation that staff has to do during staff training. So it's one whole list right there that they have to do for their whole um, activity, so whether it's for day one or day six. They have everything that they need to do right there. Um, to kind of focus them during staff training and make sure that they're really utilizing that time to you know, do what you were saying like really make it the best program that they can um, and then each day is then broken down so
3: day one has
4: its own goal and then its own extra preparation if anything needs to be done you know that day and then yep. um, introduction um, the first day of every class you know they have, some sort of class expectations, um, where the the campers get to come up with their kind of their own, you know, rule book for how the activity will go for the week, um, and then from there, um, each activity is kind of broken down a little bit differently based on what they're doing.
1: Excellent. I, I wonder if you would be willing to share that that template if I could put it up on the website with this with this show.
4: Yeah, definitely.
1: Awesome. Awesome. So if you can make a little note to yourself to email that to me I'll, I'll um, PDF it and put it up on um, on the with the show notes for this show on camphacker.tv.
4: Awesome, I'll do that thanks Travis.
1: Thanks Angie um, Joe what um, what do you do at Pierce Williams to make sure that your program areas are great better every year um, sort of managed in a way in what way do you manage them?
2: We talk a lot about um, the fact that campers, right, it goes back to the the one-line job description to do what needs to be done to show these campers an amazing summer camp experience. And, so, and, it, and it goes back to what Ruby said, which is um, how do you make that place a place where people want to be? We don't do sign-up sessions in the sense of they get to choose where they want to go, so they travel by cabin group to our program areas, which makes it difficult to put the onus on the staff sometimes because they're gonna get campers whether or not they market themselves well or cre- create an amazing program and so that's one of the challenges we face every year it's it's selecting and rotating people through we don't have the same program heads at any of our activities um... for the whole summer we rotate people through because in in our staff which is a small staff only around forty people we have a We have the leadership team, and then we have everyone else who is uh, a camper uh sorry a counselor slash programmer so that we could move them into a program position if they're needed that week or if not, and we can we can move people in and out of those as we see fit so if someone is unsuccessful in their week um then that doesn't bode well for their chances of becoming a programmer again. Um, and and in all reality, there's no um, <clears throat> punishment for them because they're going to get paid the same whether they're a programmer or a counselor. But we really challenge our programs to be different and to be something that that kids remember. Like we want when when kids go home, we want them. To talk about your program, so how do you do that right because if if a camper goes home and is talking about how amazing ecology was, then the ecology person has done a super awesome job. It's the same as if a camper goes home and says that chapel time was awesome, I can take some credit for that simply by playing the guitar at chapel, right it like it's this weird thing where you're like, okay, how do we make this the the period in the day that they look the most forward to so um, and every year, it's it's a challenge because you go through different staff and you see different people. But we really challenge our staff to to go back to that to do what needs to be done. So, how do they plan and interact with a session that makes campers go, "Oh my goodness, that was awesome"?
1: Is there anything that's handed down from year to year, Joe?
2: Yeah, we do it's a lesson I learned when I was at the Taylor Staten camps. We have final reports that are written for program positions. Um, and so for all of our leadership team positions. So a final we have a final report outline which is very basic. It just states, you know, tell people this, tell people that, write up <coughs> your your feeling on the summer, and then write a letter to next year's person. So if next year's craft person, you know, you write a letter to them explaining what you would do differently or how they would do it. And what you can do is, you build up those those year after year. You start getting more and more final reports, so that you can send out to people three or four years. And if you get a, a final report that sucks, you can skip it because you have enough right that you can send out. Yeah. Great.
1: Um. Uh, Laura, I'm going to go to you. What, um, you've been in some senior staff positions at Stella Maris, right? Laura? <laughs> I'm, I'm there you here. Are. Excellent. So what, um, what jobs have you done at camp?
3: Um, so I was the I was the LIT director for the past two summers at, at Stelmaris and I'm not sure I have a lot of programming um, experience specifically at Stelmaris, but um, I can speak to some of the program trends we've seen kind of as we've traveled across the country. Um, yeah. and, and one of those things I think plays into what Angie and Ruby were saying in terms of like how to um, engage staff in in successful programs and like kind of the format that maybe they look at. Um, when they're coming up with programs and um, something that we saw at Camp Curran in Ohio, it's a YMCA camp, um, was Jeff Marriage has Curran cards, or Jack and I affectionately refer to them as Curran cards, but it's basically a business card in the back pocket of of every counselor and they carry it around and it's basically a checklist. It's like, is the um, program that I'm going to be implementing safe um, for campers and staff, courteous to campers and staff, um, a magical and memorable experience for the campers and efficient in that it could be replicated if it was successful by other counselors um, and that allows them to kind of freely come up with um, a multitude of different um, programs, maybe some that are more risky um, and use their imagination more because um, they know that if it follows those four checkpoints, um, it'll be something that you know has the thumbs up from camp
1: right. That's awesome.
3: That's kind of cool, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a great idea. Um, are there any other things that you've seen that um that stick out in terms of programs that you think awesome people need to know about this?
3: Yeah, I think um, the thing that Jack and I were most excited about um in camps was the trend towards um, free play yeah. uh, which is basically like intentionally structuring in unstructured time. Um and I think Green River Preserve um we got to visit um, Missy and sandy there and and their whole morning is kind of structured kind of towards free play, which was fun to see, but um I think some directors are concerned that program won't look intentional if it has um like free play in it because it doesn't have a lot of structure to it um, so some ways to to solve that problem we saw were like creating destination spots at camp um and we saw some really awesome destination spots like. Fort Pawnee at um, uh, Ketaki. Ketaki, Camp Kataki um, is basically just a, a nature's playground and so they have multiple areas um, within this kind of stockade fort um, that are for like music exploration and have loose parts and um, all that kind of stuff that's going to allow kids to experiment with their peers and Foster curiosity and grit and all those twenty first century skills.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. What a great idea, what a great idea. Um, Ruby, what are you going to? Well, I mean, you've touched on this a little bit. Is there anything else you want to add to what you're going to um, use to inspire your staff to do more than just good programming, but great programming?
0: Um, you know, I think we're all striving for that every single day. <laughs> um, but one of the big things that I am a, a believer in is just really modeling what you want to see, um, during staff training and throughout the summer. So I think sometimes our staff get into this, I'm always going to do it this way, I'm, all, you know, this, this works, I'm comfortable with this. And when you as the director or, you know, you even pull in, Um, maybe a staff alum who's visiting for the week and have them run that activity and they just get to see a whole different perspective. I think that can be huge. Um, Something else, I'm a big believer in observing. Um, Every time that I've done staff evaluations, I've learned tricks for myself that I was like, I've never thought to do it that way. That's awesome, you know, so encouraging your staff to watch one another teach. Uh, I think they'll pick up some great tricks, and and it gives them an opportunity to say, you know, I've always had a problem getting the kids from to move from point A to point B in a really efficient way. And I just saw Johnny over there do that so brilliantly, um, so giving them those opportunities to really see each other teach, which can be very challenging in, in a small SAS environment. But if there's ways to make that happen, it's, it's a great tool.
1: It is a great tool. And... Um... <coughs> Pardon me. Um, I, I think Jack and Laura are living this this year. But if I could add on to that, Ruby, one of my one of the best things I ever did as um, as a camp director was try to make it to one or two other camps for part of a day during camp season um, in Ontario um, to be accredited. You have to have a viewer, um, a viewer, an accreditor come from who's another professional camp director. So that was a great way to get to one or two other camps to spend at least half a day with them and sort of go through the accreditation process with them. But part of that, you get a full tour of camp, and you get to ask a camp director anything you want, and you're expected to stay for a meal. And and the number of things that I've talked about on this show over the years that came from my visits to other camps—I couldn't even count them. Um, it's so invaluable just to see how other people run things, um, and and furthermore to encourage your staff to do that because I I know that um, you have sort of long-term staff that you know are going to be just all-stars um, if you can. Set up some sort of exchange with another camp. Um, have their staff come to you for a week, and your staff go to them for a week, and basically keep your own staff on your own payroll, but have them work at another camp. Um, that is so incredibly valuable. Um, for a, a lot of people, just sort of get complacent and say, "Well, this is the way every camp does it," because this is all I've ever seen at my camp. But um, I can see from sending those people away, them coming back with great ideas of how to handle. Um, how to handle those situations or to plan those activities in in different ways. Awesome. What um, are any other things from anybody um, that you have seen in terms of just the daily activities, the things that kids can choose—canoeing, arts and crafts, that sort of stuff? What uh, what have you used? um to get your staff to now that you have them organized and they know what the plan is and they know your expectations what have you used um to to push them to make them go above and beyond what's always been done
4: um I'll, I'll go Great. Uh, I we did this a little bit last summer and we're the, the other two directors and I are really gonna focus on this and staff training um kind of building off what Laura was saying about free play and how that's a really great thing and it helps build 21st century skills and helps build creative and critical thinking skills and um, I was at the ACA national conference and Scott Arizala gave a great session all about how to train your staff on how to do that Um, and so it's you know providing the staff with the freedom to be able to just like, you know, do what they want with their campers during cabin time. So they don't necessarily have to have a set activity, but then training them to ask the right questions, um, you know, to make up a program with their campers and include their campers in the creation of their cabin time program. Um, and so a couple of the things that were like from his sessions were really, you know, teaching your staff how to talk to a kid and relate to a kid. So you are, you know, 16 and 17 year old, you're not necessarily really super interested in what a 10 year old might have to say, but teaching them how to have a conversation with them that is entertaining and um, fun for both sides of the conversation. And um, it, when I was in his session it seemed obvious like of course that's what we do at camp but he just was talking about how in free play there's this mentality that staff doesn't necessarily have to do anything and the changing that mentality so that your staff is engaged with the campers and they're asking them would you rather questions or they're um, saying like okay we have ten items what game are we going to play and one person makes up The one rule. The next person makes up another rule. Um, So we're working right now on how to incorporate that into staff training, and then how to continue to maintain that throughout the summer.
3: Oh, I I have a comment.
1: Yes, Um, go Laura.
3: um, So one of the camps we went to, Camp Collins, a YMCA camp in. in Oregon. The, the director there, the, the program director, her name is Halen, and she kind of introduced some of those topics about free play to us early on in the trip. And um, one of the things that she said she was struggling with was how, like, like in Scott's session, I was also at that session, um, oh, cool. but how to get, how to get um, the staff to like um, buy into some of that free play with the kids. And so what she ended up doing was taking her leadership staff out, off of camp, um, to a a bare field, and she just basically said, okay, guys, like, we have, you know, two hours, and we're just going to play. And for, like, an hour of those two hours, the counselors just looked at each other and were like, play what? Like, where's the balls? Where's the structure? Where's, like, what are are we going to do? But at the end, she said it was really enlightening for them to um, be forced to kind of be comfortable with some of that... Um, unstructured time and some of that um, like forced to um, come up with their own boundaries um, and their own rules and I think she said that that um, made a really big impact on the summer and how um, those counselors were comfortable kind of allowing um, the kids to create their own boundaries and helping them to, to structure free play in that way. It's kind of cool.
4: That's awesome. That's really fun. Yeah.
3: I'm to do that. Yeah.
1: That's really awesome. Joe, you've been to lots of different camps and seen lots of different
2: things. Any thoughts? I think that every camp struggles with it, and I think that every camp wants to do better. I think that as you know, as I listen today, and this is the same as this is one of the reasons I enjoy doing Camp Hacker versus going to, let's say, an Executive Director Peer Circle. (laughs) just hypothetically, is that you, you? The ideas you can generate are are amazing, and it's the fact that how do you, when you see a camp do it well, it's it's one of those things where you're just like, well, why don't we all do it like that? But if we all do the exact same thing, then we would all be very generic. So it's it's seeing them do it differently. I I'm reminded about um, the summer of 1990. Ah, oh, the summer of 1990. <laughs> I went to Bark It was a long, long time ago. I went to Bark Lake, which was a, a camp leadership center in Ontario that was funded by the government at the time. And the way they did program blew my mind because I was like a, a 17-year-old counselor who had just been at a camp that all they did is cabin rotation. So you travel with your cabin to every period. And at Bark Lake, you sit down with your group of, or you did at the time, it's been closed for 15 years. You sit down and, and you actually have to choose on a big board what you're going to do. And, and you your group marks that spot. And so if another group has gotten there prior to you, you can't do that session during that time, right? So you have to... Uh, you have to move your peg somewhere else, and so it was. It was that was a real eye opener for me as a as a young counselor to the fact that you can do anything. And and one of the discussions we had at our leadership team meeting in um, in December was that somebody said, "Well, don't we need to do program this way?" And I said, "You can choose to do program however you want. Like we can, if if you're the program director and you want to throw out the way we run camp, the, you know, the way that program is done, then then." write up a good proposal and tell us why what you're gonna do is going to make it that much better Um because if you're unwilling to change then you're just gonna keep you know keep moving and and that's what i've seen at numerous camps is this idea that you have um... i see a move towards using the skills that counselors bring we do it here with our choose your own adventure um... somewhere else just the other day uh, I was at the OCA conference, and they called it chaos, which was counselors have another outstanding skill. So they called it the chaos session, which is super awesome. It is. Um, and uh, it, it's one of those things where that you bring in the skills of all of your counselors. And and this is one of the challenges for years that I've I felt between, let's say, a, a camp that has the money to do anything they want, so what they do is they put in a high ropes course and they, they buy the sailboats and then buy the kayaks and they buy the canoeing. And then when you're hiring staff for that, what you're hiring is someone with the hard skills for those programs, right? You're hiring someone with canoeing and someone with kayaking and someone who can do high ropes. But they lack the skills to play in an open field and come up with a game. And that is a very, very important thing. And for years I've often thought that I would rather choose a staff from a, a camp that comes with nothing because imagination... Is a lot more powerful than, you know, when it rains at sailing. Oh, we have to go inside because there's nothing to do. You right. know, there, there's there's always stuff to do. It's just a matter of how how people train their staff. And I think that the camps I've seen that are most successful are t- are where they've given staff a the um, the ability to be creative, and the ability to to learn those lessons. So. Uh, we use some of um, we use a lot of these ideas at camp, but we don't do any of them as well as I think we could. But we're doing them a lot better than than we did in the past.
0: If I can roll off of what you said, Joe, I think I love the idea of um, chaos and how they bring so many great skills. And I think we have to take those skills. And a big part of staff training is teaching our staff how to teach. And when we're interviewing folks, if we get somebody who clearly knows how to teach something, they're a great hire because we can, if they know how to teach, they can teach canoeing or archery or climbing or pottery or nature art. I mean, their skills, we can, we can develop those. But if they know how to teach, that's huge. And I think a great interview question from here on out would be, all right, you have, Two hours and an empty field, what are you gonna do with it? <laughs> I'm gonna start asking that to my applicants for sure.
1: Um, that's awesome. One of my um, one of my old favorite camp mentors, um, Jim Penner, once said to me Actually, um, probably said in a session. I don't think he said it to me directly, but I remember him saying this very clearly because it was when I was t- two years into directing full time. He said, "You know, with the right people in a parking lot, I can run a better summer camp than ninety percent of the camps out there." Yeah. Um, and I was like, "I know you can, Jim. You're that kind of guy." But I think most people can do that if you have the right people who are willing to be creative and uh, go from there. Yes, Joe?
2: But this comes to the, and this is also a Jim Penner story, <clears throat> is the fact that one of the, one of the best stories I heard in a session was the fact that, um, what, how are you going to program? So how are you going to choose to run your session? Are you going to look at what you have and then decide what to do? Or are you going to decide what to do and then make it happen with what you have? and although those don't sound that different they're dramatically different um, and and the one story that you know it, it goes to uh... a story that actually happened at cancer where we grew up so we we had that philosophy given to us by jim penner at a session and and so the theme of the week was and this gets into a bit of themes but not the theme of the week was um, the wizard of oz and so on sunday night when campers are there for campfire how do you How do you institute that it's the Wizard of Oz week? Well, of course you have a tornado. Come on, that's that's the way it goes, right? So how do you have a tornado at camp? And we built a we built an outhouse structure, and we um, we had Dorothy who was going to go in the outhouse structure, but the outhouse structure was just literally the two by fours, and we got the idea that we would just lift it up a couple of feet and have it on a big rope hanging from the top, and we spun the outhouse around. And then we set it down. Stop before you ever try this, <laughs> because we didn't have time to test it. So, um, so what happened is we had this big rope and it was spun around. And then Dorothy got in with we'd never test it with all of the campers sort of there, and then three big guys, me being one of them, we just lifted up. And apparently we lifted a bit high. It got about five feet off the ground, and this thing started to unspin which was awesome. And campers were like, this is amazing. But then what happens is that it keeps spinning the other way, right? So it spins. It kept spinning the other way, and then it started unspinning that way. And Dorothy just is literally screaming like it's a tornado, which is really, really visceral, right? Like it's an awesome program. But it's the idea that you can have a tornado. You can't say... Well all we have is a campfire pit. How are we going to make a tornado out of that? Right? It's and and for that goes for all programs at camp. The fact that be at the arts and crafts barn or be at the the pool or be at the, you know, the archery range, there's ways to make the program super amazing and it it comes with that thought that what do you want to do and then make it happen with what you have.
1: Excellent. Thank you. Uh I am going to get ready to move us on, but I wonder if any of um, Ruby, Lori, and Angie have any final thoughts on this topic.
3: Um I Yes, Ruby please, was, Laura. Ruby was talking a little bit about um how camp how it's important to kind of get campers to use their hands um, and how some of the creative process comes through using their hands and it made me think of um one more example, at, at Sanborn, um, they do something called junkyard art, um, and it's basically like, um, I think boys sometimes can miss out on some of the the magical atmosphere that takes place in the Arts and Crafts Lodge, um, because it's stereotypically like filled with glitter and girly stuff. Um, but something that they've done is they, they take building and working with your hands um, to a whole nother extreme and they take kids to their like on-site junkyard which is basically like behind the, the maintenance building and they allow the kids to come up with what they want to build and then find the materials to build it and then actually get to use some of the tools in the wood woodshop um, to create like you know stand-up bases and all these different kind of robots and stuff that was kind of fun, different kind of free play but
1: That is great. That is great. Um, Ruby, do you have any final thoughts?
0: Um, As far as really pushing our staff to provide great program, I think the thing that I I like to tell them is, you know, we'll be getting ready for a session, and I'll say, "All right, stand up if you like your job," and most of the people in the the room will stand up, and I'll say, "You know, okay, remain standing if you'd like to work here again next year." and some people stay standing, some people sit and I say regardless of whether you're standing or sitting, the work that you're doing now determines whether we have jobs next year because marketing for 2014 begins when our campers arrive the first day on in 2013. So I think that's a great message for them to hear to understand that it's not just right now in the moment this is the future of camp and you delivering a great program ensures that we continue to be able to do the work that we're doing.
1: That's brilliant, Ruby, thank you. Angie, do you have any final thoughts on, um, on the program activity topic that you suggested?
4: Um, I just I was going to comment again on like, what Laura said about um, free play and that activity where you just go and be in a field. I love that as something to do during staff training because it really shows if you take your staff and do that, that you, you can't necessarily throw your campers into the same scenario and expect them to just know how to play. Um, it's really something that we have to teach our st- teach the campers, and so we have to teach our staff to do it and I just really love that activity I'm definitely using it. Thank you Laura.
1: Cool. right on well that's great. you know <clears throat> I had one final thing to add to it, and um it goes back to the original premise of the talk that um that with planning. And with preparation and clear expectations, your program can grow from year to year, and your activities can get better and better. And um, one of the things that always stuck to me from one of Michael brandwein sessions is his, his his principle of lifelong learnables. That sure you may be um, as a director, I'm expecting you to teach the J stroke um, and how to stern a canoe, but um, I'm also expecting you to be able to take some of those lessons and have them apply to life, so that I know, as a, a program person, when I'm creating my plans, that I have to include something that that kids can learn, or I have to be able to articulate something that kids can learn here in canoeing that applies to them for the rest of their life. So it may be in canoeing something as simple as lead from behind, um, as the sterner you're the one who's actually in control, but you're not in the front. Um Any of those things, and I really like the concept that, as a director, you give staff that expectation at the beginning that they that they have to be able to articulate what kids can learn from this simple thing at camp that can apply to the rest of of their life and their life outside of camp now and them as an adult as well so thank you very much to um to everybody for amazing ideas and I let us go a bit long on this because it is our fiftieth episode and um and I want to um yes Joe, thanks for being with me from the beginning um, so I wanted to um, you know go over a few things and it takes some extra special time because it was a special number um and a really cool topic that I think applies to every camp um, <clears throat> across the spectrum so thank you to all five of you all four of you dan obviously wasn't able to join us but all four of you for such great great insights and before we move on to our next section i'm going to just quickly share with you and scott's name has come up um often in the show <clears throat> And I'm grateful um, because I didn't tell Angie and Laura that I was going to do this, but um, I just want to let people know that if you do like Scott's stuff, have seen his sessions, that I hope that you'll tune into Campacker Right on the front page, you'll see that three times a month we're putting a new Scott Arizola show up there, and Scott and I filmed this with him in California and me here, and he has edited these together, these conversations between he and I about um about camp leadership and great things that you can do there. Um, and he's got awesome ideas, very practical. He's really put a lot of thought into some good things. So I hope to check out the Scott Arizala show. That's on camphacker.tv, but also on um, on Scott's website at thecampcounselor.com. So you check that out and um, I think you get a lot of cool stuff from that. I want to at this point figure out how to turn off the screen sharing. <laughs> um There we go. Uh, I want to, at this point, move us on to our Tool of the Week. Tool of the Week. For those who are um, joining for the first time, the Tool is something that each panelist brings to the discussion that um, will help others become a a better camp director. And if you're interested in the Tool of the Week, you can go back to camphacker.tv and check out now two years' worth of great Tools of the Week. And um, there's some awesome stuff that I know people use in their daily lives and some great books to read, etc. cetera. And um, since, Joe, this is our 50th episode, I would love to give you the honor of starting off our, our Tool of the Week since you were here on the first show.
2: Perfect. First off, do you know how hard it is to come up with a new tool for every show? Sometimes you're <laughs> successful and sometimes you're not. Last week I was... Um, I'm not sure where I found Cloud Cafe, but cloudcafe.com is what my tool of the week is this week, and I just signed up for it last week, so I haven't used it very long. But with the advent of of stuff in the cloud, Cloud Cafe um, is organizing your cloud. That's what it's it's about, and that's what it's promising to do. And so you can see from this screen, if if you look, so you can have documents. So I have my Google Drive, and I have Box, and I have... Um, Dropbox there as well, I have Picasa, and I have Flickr, and I have Facebook photos, I have YouTube videos, um, I have my Evernotes, and I have my Google Contacts. And what this allows me to do when I click through, is it allows me to like look at photos, so you can see here that um, these are some photos from my Facebook um, account. The important thing for me is documents. Lately, I've realized that I, when I go to look for a document, what happens is it's not where I expected it to be, and it's not in the main computer server of camp. And when I say server, I mean just a an extra computer that we store everything on, not actually a server. Um, and so then I think, okay, well, is it in Google Drive or is it in Dropbox? You know, where is it? Cloud Cafe allows you a search tool so that you can search for anything. So if I was looking up um Kenniseri, first I have to spell it correctly and I search for it it allows me to then see all of the pictures I have tagged with Kenesseri any documents I have tagged if there's a contact that has Kenesseri right um, so it's it's a brilliant way to sort of be like oh that's where I put the Kenesseri games book and I can find it there. And it's, it is is actually, um, if they can get Cloud Cafe to be a bit quicker, I'm not sure if it's my end or their end, um, the power of this to bring together all of our stuff that we store out there somewhere, this is a tool that will become invaluable over, over the course of time.
1: Excellent. Thanks, Joe. Uh Ruby, I'll go to you next.
0: Well, for those of you that are uh, watching us live right now, you're actually looking at my tool of the week, which is Google Plus Hangouts. Uh, We've actually just ventured into using these. Um, A couple of our directors live in Colorado for part of the year, and so there occasionally are applicants that they are interested in for the expedition program, but that I may also be interested in for the base camp program, and so we want to interview them all together. We looked at Skype, and that you had to get a kind of a premium membership, and so we looked at Google Hangouts and played with it in the office and giggled profusely for about an hour about it. Um, but it is a a phenomenal tool that we are looking to use not only for interviewing staff, which we've already done a fair amount of and it's great, but also launching a virtual roadshow where we can host events from camp where parents can log in maybe when we haven't been able to go to their homes um, or make it to their towns. You know, we're big believers in face-to-face contact but the reality of it is there's only so much time and limited amount of resources so being able to offer that face-to-face time virtually is an awesome tool that we're really excited about as well as using it for staff training um, maybe our leadership team who can't come in early um, our mentors and professional naturalists We have some spe- specific training we want to do with them so we are really excited about putting this together and, and using it in lots of different ways and that's actually a project I'm working on this week so hopefully we'll have kind of a plan for that and happy to share that uh, via the Summer Camp Professionals Facebook group um, because I think it's a great tool that a lot of us can use
1: Amazing, uh, and I completely echo it. I think, for obvious reasons, yeah, we use it. We've moved to it full time for Camp Hacker for our recordings. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And I think the golden nugget of, of Google plus Hangouts is Hangouts on Air, which is what we're doing right now. Where we can send people a link to our YouTube channel, and have, they can watch live. We've had as many as a dozen viewers watching us, and. For um, Joe and I and Dan and Gab, who've been doing this for so long for years, we just did it just the four of us, and we'd have no idea how many people um, we could tell from the stats afterwards how many people would listen to the shows. But it's fun to know that people are are watching us live, and um, they can send us stuff by Twitter if they have any questions. Um, but it's always recorded; it goes straight to YouTube. It's available there in a couple minutes, and it's great. It's good to go. Thanks, Ruby. That's a great one. Um, Angie, what's your tool of the week?
4: Um, my tool of the week is a book, and it's Training Terrific Staff by Michael Brandewine. So I got to go to um, his session at ACA Nationals as well and meet him, and he was just, like, amazing. Um, and so for me, staff training is something that I just absolutely love. I got to plan it for the first time last summer, and I love it because I'm constantly being inspired by our own staff. And what they bring to the table and what they can do, and um, being able to provide them with tools to be the best counselors is what's so fun about camp. And so um, his book, and then specifically his activity that I learned in his session called Laser Beam, which is all about how to um, specifically give positive feedback to staff and campers. And so how instead of just saying, good job, really saying like, hey, you know, you just moved over to make room for someone that was really considerate of you. Thank you for that. Um, And teaching staff how to be that specific on their um, positive feedback for campers. And um, so I'm really excited to read his book. I haven't quite gotten all the way through it.
1: That's great, Angie. Thank you very much. Uh, Laura, you've seen and done more camp in the last seven months than most of us have done in a lifetime. What did you narrow down your tool of the week to? <laughs>
3: um, well, something Jack and I, we have a lot of time in the car, and um, so we've gotten kind of hooked on a podcast, um, and it's called uh, Creativity in Play, um, and it's by Mary Alice Long, um, and she is a therapist, um, at, who also uh, has a website called Play Equals Peace, um, and basically uh, they have pretty crappy microphones, so sometimes it's hard to listen to. Um, Travis, you've said that that is a very distracting thing multiple times, but um, <laughs> it's a it's a really worthwhile podcast, um, and they have um, interesting things that uh, are not only related to camp, but also just how creativity can play and play um play into um everybody's lives and so they've brought on lawyers um Ken, Sir Ken Robinson was on there recently um and other things uh, other people who um talk about how creativity um for kids and for adults can just be um something that's really important and uh, a cornerstone in, in society.
1: Wonderful. Thanks very much for sharing that. Um, <clears throat> I always like new podcast recommendations, so that that uh, makes me happy too. Uh, my pick, my tool is um, it's called Visual Teams by David Tippet, and he actually has three books um about planning, um, preparing, organizing, etc. Your company, your camp, etc. Uh, very visually, and um in the same way that we've talked on the show before about how um, doodling engages more of your mind, doing things in a visual way, planning meetings, running organizations, doing um, new creative projects with your staff, engaging them more fully sometimes means doing stuff very visually. And um, I use David's book, uh, Visual Meetings, a lot, you can see all the post its. Um, for I'm doing a, a two day facilitation with a, a private school in April, and it's all going to be drawn out. Visual post-it notes, markers, um, lots of moving around, putting things in different places, um, sketching out things, and I really like that it's set up that it's you don't have to be a drawer. Um, Not all of us can be gabs uh, and be great at drawing things, but um, it gives you some very simple tools for for doing that, and then to give you a bit of confidence in in capturing things visually. But but then also gives you the tools to address a specific situation. So this is how we look at <coughs> using this tool outlined in the book. This is how we look at the external fa- factors that affect camp, how things have changed with regulations, technology, etc. and here are and these are the things that we need to watch for. And then here's how we are going to um, take all that information and use it to make camp better. So that is um, the one specifically is Visual Teams by David Sibbett. Um, and he runs a cool company called Grove Consulting in California, where all they do is go around to companies and do big visual meetings. And um, They've talked about 24 foot long walls of visual things. So, Laura, I'd recommend it since that uh, is something that I think falls right into your wheelhouse, too.
3: That sounds awesome. I'm excited to look that
1: up. Cool. Right on. Good. Well, <clears throat> pardon me, since I am starting to get a, a cough, um, it's time for us to head out before I get to break right into a big cough. Uh, I do want to thank the four of you so much for being here um, it was a great 50th episode. Uh, thank you very much to to Dan and Gab and Joe for being part of the Camp Aqua team from the very beginning. Uh, I'm sorry that um, that Gab and Dan were not able to join us but they'll be back on soon. Uh, we are well I mean really that this means is that if you like the resources that you've been able to gather here you could do that 49 more times plus the extra videos that we've created by going to camp hacker TV and looking those up we are available in iTunes and the blackberry podcast store and the stitcher app if you want to um, to listen to those old shows what I want to do now is just give each person a chance to to let us know where they can find out about them, follow what they do in the camp world, and um, a- and keep in touch with, with them. So um, Ruby, I'm going to start with you. Where can we find out what you're doing on a daily basis and follow your personal blog?
0: Sure. Um, so you can email me to get in touch with me, ruby at greenriverpreserve.org. I'm also on Twitter, rubylyn 85 and I also have an ACA webinar that's coming up I am part of the E-institute faculty so that's coming up you can check it out it's called 10 things your multi-year return staff aren't telling you so I'm involved with them so any of those ways you can keep up with me
1: excellent thanks very much for for being on Ruby
0: thank you This has been great
1: awesome um, <clears throat> excuse me Anch, how about you how can people follow your work or get in touch with you if they have any questions
4: uh, you can get in touch with me through email. That's Angie A N G E at CampLanternCreek dot com, um, and you can follow Camp Lantern Creek on Facebook. We are definitely trying to work on increasing our following, and um, then I tweet at POPSIE, P O P S I E. It's my camp name. Oh nine. Um, and then I also just launched a personal blog that's IamHereAndNow.com, and it's all about personal growth and empowerment.
1: That's awesome. So Angie, I'm, I'm so glad that you suggested this topic. It's been brilliant. I think we've got lots of good ideas. I hope that you'll forgive me for keep calling you, Angie, throughout the whole show. Um, no, <laughs> so worries. My, my apologies no worries. for that. No my worries. Yeah, thank
4: that. you for having me on. I'm super excited. I've been listening to Cam Packer
3: forever.
1: Excellent. Well, it's it's great. Um, we're so glad to have you. Laura, how can we follow your big adventures?
3: Uh, so Jack and I have a blog, um it's campingcoastcoast.wordpress.com. Um and that Kind of details all the different camps that we've been to, um, and has pictures on it as well, Um, and the presentations that that we've been able to do at at some of the ACA conferences as well, Um, and then we have uh, a Facebook just um, camping coast to coast, and a Twitter as well, Um, and our email is um, camping coast to coast all spelled out um, at at gmail.com.
1: That's excellent. Well, thanks, Laura, for being on the big show. I really appreciate it. You yeah, know this is fun. Awesome, and I'll see you guys uh, hopefully tomorrow night.
3: Sounds
1: good. Awesome, nice to meet you in person then. Joe, how can uh, people follow what you do?
2: People can follow what I do, so they can learn more about Pierce Williams at CampIsBetter.com. Life is good. Camp is better. Um, they can follow me on Twitter at yo yo Joe R. Y o y o J o e R. Um, and they can follow my personal blog at yoyojo com which i 'm um slowly revamping the look of so and by slowly I mean slowly <laughs> i 'm in no big hurry i 'm not generating income off it, so it 's all good but uh, that 's how they can find out about me. Excellent. Thank you very much.
1: So, uh, um, <clears throat> this group really has come together through uh, through us putting out the show and people listening to them, and uh, and people like Angie reaching out by email. So, if you want to do that, if you have suggestions for the show, um, we will of course invite you to be on the show. If you have a a, a program. Idea, um, or you have things, you questions you want us to answer, please email me. And um, the best way to do that is all my emails come to the same place, so I'm never sure which one um, to give it. But so let's just say, um, email me at my work email address, and uh, that is travis at socialcatalyst.ca. And um, you can also reach out by using the ad camp hacker. Twitter account. My personal account is at Zoic. That is uh, Z O I C or Z O I C. Um and um, and yeah, so just to wrap up this show, I really want to say thank you again to all four of you for joining us. For those who watch live, um, I know that um Adam from Stella Maris was watching a bit. I saw his Twitter. Um, Mark Perl- Perlman jumped in a bit to the show, and I was going to say hello to him. And then he jumped back out. Um, so he was almost a, a, a co-host by accident, I think. Um, but I know that there's others who've been watching. So thank you to all of you for watching for Hi, this Andy. past hour. <laughs> hey, Adam. Um, so two, two quick things. Uh, one thing that unites all the people in camping, and we've mentioned it on here, Ruby. You, thank you very much for doing that for me. Is the Summer Camp Professionals group on Facebook? And um, I, I started that a number of years ago, about two years ago now, and it's grown to uh, 1,200 people who work in camping full time from across the world. And uh, there's some amazing discussions going on there. If you, you can go to Facebook and just search groups, that's again, it's a group, not a page. Um, search for summer camp professionals, or if you want the short link, you can just go to C, then the number four, mp.pro, so it looks like camp.pro, and uh, that'll take you directly to there. And you can request an invite, and um, we'd love to have you because there's some awesome discussions like this going on every day, not just twice a month like we do for Camp Hacker. Uh, the final thing is, um, I've alluded to this a couple of times, that if you're watching live um, or in the next couple of days I'm going to be going to the ACA Mid-States conference and I'm doing two sessions. One's an hour and a half on getting things done as a camp director and I'll give you uh, a few ways of thinking about achieving more with less and less time Uh, and the other session is uh, a longer almost two and a half hour session on marketing summer camps in a modern world so if you're watching live I hope you'll join us in Chicago or at least if you're not able to come to my session or you want to go to somebody else's um, please say hello I am bringing with me some stickers that say I am a camp professional for people that are members of the camp pros group. And, you know, so you get a hello. I am a camp professional sticker if you want it. So please come up and say hello. I'd love to see you. Thanks again to everybody watching. We will be back in a couple of weeks. Thanks for the evening, friends.
0: The Camp Hacker Podcast is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening.
1: Building Great Camp Community at camphacker.org.